0: folks welcome to free press sports with carlos and sean carlos uh we've got a pretty good show today we're going to talk about breakfast food and the detroit tigers i guess there's only one tigers around here so i don't need to say detroit but considering our editors often add in detroit when we mention our professional sports teams right they go back and in detroit <laughs> there, there's there's mo- there's a reason for that i think it's a it's a it's a search yeah it has to do with uh Search with, engine uh, optimization. Come exa- on. Exactly, exactly, But it's always it's always uh, humorous to me when I say, oh, yeah, okay, Detroit. That's fine. <laughs> In any case, so how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited
1: because you're right. We get to talk about uh, two of my favorite things, food and baseball. And I know, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get into it. I don't know if you want to get into what the lineup is, but for sure. But I, I want to start off with the food
0: after you wrote your excellent column about Angelo's. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you can. we can start off with Angelo's, just for the listeners. Um,
1: Which is not quickly, in Detroit.
0: An- yeah, well, no, it's not. It's in Ann Arbor. It's a, it's a breakfast and lunch spot in Ann Arbor. It's been there since 1956. And the owner, what, last week, the week before? Last week, I can't remember, announced that he was selling, he's not selling the name uh, of the restaurant. So he could still theoretically do that, and although he said he's probably not going to. But he's for sure selling the building and the property it's on to the University of Michigan because it's right near the medical campus and it's an ever-expanding medical school and uh, they want that land. And they made him a really good offer and he is the owner. Steve Angelatos, is 65, his partner Jack Jubek is about to turn 65 or maybe 65 and they're just... They're ready to retire. They didn't have any kids to uh, to hand it off to that, that wanted to do it. That were ready to do it. So, it's the end of a uh, it's the end of a run of one of the more iconic spots in Ann Arbor and probably one of the more well known breakfast places in southeastern Michigan. They have a song written about him by Dick Siegel. He used to be in a band in the eighties. What Dick Siegel and I can't remember the, <laughs> name, the rest of the name of his band. Is he this wrote like a, Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he wrote he wrote a song that, uh, called Something Over Easy. Oh god, this is terrible. <laughs> I don't know. In Angelos, any case, my Angelos. <laughs> yeah, in any case. Yeah, a song he wrote that song a long time ago. But uh in any case, so I wrote a column, Carlos, about the closing of Angelos because I worked there for almost eight years in the eighties and nineties while I was in school, while I was starting my writing uh journalism career. And in any case, uh, you know, people were interested, not because of me, but just because Anytime you have an an iconic sort of spot like that, that goes away, people have certain feelings about it, right? All right. Let's just, let's just cut through the BS. Let's just be real.
1: Why did you write the column? You wanted to write it in like December when nobody cares when it's about to close, who told you to write it now to, to, to strike while the iron was hot?
0: Oh, you did. You did. You did. I thought, I I thought about it and then thought, no, I had a, story in my head that would work really well in December but you're like no I'll go for it now and I wasn't sure if anybody would care you know what I mean and nah. um you never know with personal stuff you just No that's just an don't. icon and I, and so I want to tell my story about
1: Angelos uh because I think I think everybody a lot of people in this area have stories about Angelos it's a really unique little restaurant you know it's obviously like a mainstay in Ann Arbor if you live in the area everybody's been to Angelos uh, low key, some people of uh, I know think Benny's is better, but I I disagree. But um, anyway, it's it's Angelo's to me is always special because the I'm from California, as you know. You refuse to admit that I'm from LA, but I'm from LA. And in California, even the whole state, there really aren't many traditional college towns. Even the older schools like uh, Cal, like Berkeley and uh, UCLA, even a little bit. I went to Chico State. That's a really old school college town vibe, but there aren't that many. And and Ann Arbor is really unique like that. I think even among a lot of college towns in the country, it's sort of unique the way that it's kind of uh, intertwined and interspersed within the city itself. And but it was my first experience. My sister and brother in law were going to grad school in the early '90s at Michigan, and when I came to visit them, we went to Angelo's and. It was just part of the whole vibe of the college town, and how they said, you know, everybody, you have to go to Angelo's. It's one of those things. You got to go to Zingerman's. You got to go to the what was it, the Michigan Theater? You got to go to at the time. At the time, it was Borders. I think on State or Main Street. I forget where it was, but it was like this. Borders was still kind of cool back then. But I remember Angelo's, and the, the line was out the door. It was like a weekday too, but the line was out the door for for breakfast, and. I had one of the best, um, I love Eggs Benedict, and it was one of the best Eggs Benedict I'd ever had, and I think it was mostly because of the bread. It was amazing. Uh, I think you mentioned in the piece that uh, Steve gets up at like four in the morning, he's been doing that for 40 years to make the bread, and. And it really shows. And it was just a, and, you know, every time I went back to visit them, like, three more times, whatever, we like, we got to go to Angelo's, and I got a t-shirt and all that stuff. And so it was just one of those touchstones of remembering, like, one of my first experiences with, like, a true college town, and Angelo's was a big part of that experience, like, ooh, it's one of those... Things that the locals do, um, so I'll always remember
0: Angela very fondly. It's funny you mentioned college towns in California and Berkeley, and specifically, I I, I think I like Berkeley a lot, and it's it's not it really college go, towns. It, so Oakland. It's, well, no, it's not. It, does, it You can tell when you're in Berkeley; and it has a certain feeling, and um, the the difference is uh, Ann Arbor is on the edge of a large metropolitan area. Berkeley is surrounded, mostly surrounded, by a much larger metropolitan area but there is a little college field there but the reason i mentioned berkeley is one of my favorite breakfast spots in the country is there it's called betty's ocean view diner and it's uh, similar to angelo's and in, in the sort of the style but it's got a california vibe and you sit outside and they give you blankets you know because <laughs> that that breeze comes in right even in berkeley it, it's not quite like san francisco with it with the breeze coming in off the pacific but it gets cool but their food is great so i think um I think there are college towns that have these kind of spots all over the place, right? Betty's, by the way, I just looked it up real quickly. It only goes back to 1982. <laughs> so it doesn't quite have the same, you know, that's California, though, right? So it's not quite the same. It's ancient in California. Yeah. Yeah. Pioneer it, 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 days. It, it is. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, in Chico, we had, a, we had a great place called uh,
1: the uh, Bear forget what the the bear beer garden or something a lot of things were like california you will not have trouble any college or whatever like the ursine you know uh metaphor that they like to use cuz it's the the bear you know the is the the i don't know the animal the golden kind of the bear state animal there's no golden bear anyway the uh but yeah it was by the way my one of my favorite Jokes uh from uh Mark Twain about San Francisco is like the he said the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's, always, it's always overcast there. It's a wonderful place. But uh yeah, Cal. Um and I had friends who lived there, they lived in um actually li- they were sports writers, lived in Albany, which is right next to Berkeley. And uh yeah, it was cool hanging out there, but it's just it's not quite that same, that traditional classic college town vibe. Uh so you know, I mean Ann Arbor, even even I don't know in the Big 10 you you get around the Big 10 a lot more. What's the closest uh
0: cool college town atmosphere to Ann Arbor do you think? Um uh, yeah, there there are lots of different kinds of college towns in the Big 10. Obviously Columbus is now the biggest city in Ohio, but the campus is really nice, but it's surrounded by a it's in the middle of a decent sized metropolitan area. Uh East Lansing is is not bad, but it's not like Ann Arbor, right? It's also right next to Lansing. I to me, the closest is probably Bloomington. Um, Bloomington, either either mm, Blo- no. Bloomington's smaller than Ann Arbor, but Bloomington's got a great campus and a very charming downtown that's not far from campus. That's not a whole lot different than East Lansing to me, Bloomington. Well, no, there's no uh, Bloomington feels tighter to me. It doesn't feel like Michigan. Michigan State's so spread out. And Bloomington just, I mean, Indiana University just feels a a little tighter to me. I don't think West Lafayette feels that way much. Uh, Madison doesn't count, right? Because Madison's the capital. The capital, but the campus, Madison is is the place that gets compared most. It's bigger than Ann Arbor, and it is the capital, but the campus is great. And the college feel is very similar. Mm. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's on an isthmus between two lakes. And uh, so, yeah, Madison... But one of the reasons Madison gets compared to it the most, partly the leafy neighborhoods around the campus doesn't look anything like Michigan, but it's the vibe. That's why, right? It's sort of mm-hmm. a left leaning college town that doubles as the capital in Wisconsin, but it's, there's a similar vibe. Champaign, Illinois, that's a nice campus, it's a smaller town, but it's flat and farmland. Uh, Happy Valley, you know, State College, that's, that's got a nice college town feel. But then otherwise, you know, Rutgers is fine, but then then I mean, I don't know. What what else? Iowa, that's not too bad. But yeah. You know, but I would say Madison is probably the closest.
1: Yeah, it's funny because it's it's like they're like the, the unique part of Ann Arbor is that it's not in a big city. There's not it's not near a big city, yet it has its own city vibe because Ann Arbor's big enough, but not so big that it's it feels like the state capital, you know. Um so I think it's it's a little hard to to replicate that and and I love different I mean like Cal's great Westwood is great um, but they don't feel like a tradition. On it. The, the, the ironic thing is almost every the, the large majority of Hollywood movies that are sh- shot like on a you know campus setting it's at UCLA because it does have old buildings and they use the they're selective about their their photography so that it looks like a traditional campus even though it largely isn't. Um, but it's got a cool little vibe, you know, and it's on the West side of LA and all that. And, um, you know, the Santa Barbara, you see Santa Barbara in California. That's one that's also Goleta. Uh, that one's kind of a collegey town. Um, so there, there are places, but you, you have to, you have to appreciate them. And I, I would say Ann Arbor is one of the great college towns in the whole country, probably. So, uh, I, I hope people leave comments and let us know like what, uh, what they would recommend as their. Their favorite college towns, and
0: don't be biased about whatever school you went to. Yeah, no, they're they're great college town. I mean, Lexington, Kentucky is—I love that place. It's—I uh, mean, it's a little bit more southern, maybe a lot more southern, but um, yeah, just think of think of great college Chapel Hill, right? You've you've had experience with Chapel Hill, but uh, in yeah, North Carolina, cool. but it's no, there's uh, Ann Arbor's. The one thing that's unique about it. First of all, it's on the edge of, of Detroit, right? I mean and Ipsy's right next to it and then it's just one town after another. To it's you get in to Detroit. Detroit. It's fifty minutes away from Detroit. What are you talking about? Yeah, that? from downtown to downtown are forty five minutes apart, but but there's Ipsilani and then uh I guess Romulus and the airport and then eventually you get to you get to there's a little bit of downriver and then Dearborn in Detroit. But it, it doesn't it's not that far, right? It's it's not like Ann Arbor's out in the middle of nowhere. It's like Madison you get outside of Madison and it's farmland. Now you can go East a little bit of Ann Arbor and there's a little couple of towns and there's a farmland, but, uh, I mean, excuse me, West, but if you go East, it's just one big, huge metropolitan area all the way to St. Clair shores and Mount uh, <laughs> and then to Pontiac. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. And, and you, and you feel that here, you, you know, uh, I mean, it's secluded a little bit, but it's, you feel I would say that if you're not from if you're not from this area
1: and you were to visit Ann Arbor, you would say there's nothing around Ann Arbor. You would not consider Romulus a bustling metropolis or anything like that. He's like, yeah, there's really nothing until you get to kind
0: of the Dearborn area ish. You know, when you start seeing
1: well, more no, you can buildings. take you
0: can take one way and there's a little bit of little bit of countryside with trees, but then you get to Plymouth, and then you're in Livonia and Metropolitan Detroit. Oh, Plymouth is too, right? Northville. Or you yeah, can, I mean, there's but there's 40, no big 96, city. and it's one community after another. It's it's so it's there's just much communities. Part of a, what's that?
1: But there's just communities. No, but
0: it, but look, it's not the same as Madison or Champaign, where it's just there's right. nothing around. It's just farmland. Bloomington, same thing. Yeah, uh, sure. Ames is the same way. Yeah, Bloomington's that. Well, Bloomington's not. Yes, same, there's same nothing. Louis.
1: Trust me, I've been there many times, and there's nothing around it. No, there's not. Although it's only
0: an hour from Indianapolis, but um, but that's but there's a, that's enough of a distance, and there's nothing between, right? Right. There's yeah. nothing between Bloomington, and Indianapolis, and that's not how it is with Ann Arbor and Detroit, right? But uh, in any case, I don't know how we got off into all this uh, geography <laughs> crap. We're talking about Angelo's. You wanted to talk about the. You wanted to talk about the menu
1: yeah so what's so I, I you know i it's been a long time since i've been to angelo's so my go-to would be the eggs Benedict but you mentioned you keep there's two two food items you mentioned one with great disdain the egg white omelets that some poor person asked you to to make and dry and god forbid there should be a drop of oil or grease in it um so you were obviously Yoke, you're you're an angry chef soup nazi before the soup nazi was around um they were not they pleasant made... they were not pleasant folks that order those egg white ones <laughs> and then there's uh the open face turkey sandwich right
0: yes 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 so, yes. so what's your open... go-to
1: what, what do you order you're lucky enough to get
0: an angelo's now they have open-faced uh i want to say beef turkey and th- there's it's at some, some days of the week they have hot roast beef. beef, hot roast turkey, and, and meatloaf on some days. And then, the, and then the pork, yeah, sliced pork, which, uh, which I never really ate that a lot. It's heavy. I mean, it's good, but it's, it's heavy, you know, it serves with mashed potatoes and gravy over the whole thing. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a natural, uh, cow food guy, aren't you? No, 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 no. It's just, it's just, um, yeah, that just wasn't a thing that I, I like, you know, the Benedict's fine. Um, Steve's going to hate me for saying this, but the Benedict at my house is 100 times better. <gasps> and the, I'll be in touch the di- of that. No, the difference is, here's the difference. He's got the bread, and that's the bread is really good. But they don't make their hollandaise from scratch. I'm sorry, Steve, but you <gasps> don't. And uh, I mean, right, it's Nors, And I used to make Nors hollandaise, and it's good. It's, it's nice, solid, good hollandaise. But once you make it from scratch, you know, it's kind of hard to go back. I so, don't know. I mean, I mean, to me, it's more about, to me, it's more about the bread. No, it's the hollandaise, dude. And the on. egg, too. The holidays. Well, no, is the egg, the, egg, the, egg, fine. the egg needs to be cooked properly, but the eggs Benedict is about, that is, is completely about the hollandaise. And then it's secondarily after that, I would say the, the meat or the protein or whatever it is. I mean, the Canadian bacon. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. a big part of it. And I get, I get really good Canadian bacon and his Canadian bacon is fine. He also does a crab cake and a Florentine with spinach, and uh, they may have one other one these days. Sam, they, salmon, salmon. Benedict. Yeah, they've expanded.
1: They've and Portobello expanded Benedict.
0: It's been a long time since you've been there, and brother. Portobello's a very '90s, but they but that came around in the uh, in the in the 2000s. <laughs> so my go-to, and in fact, I had one the other day when I was there hanging out for the story, is a three-egg omelet with mushrooms and American cheese, and that's it. And um. Their omelets are good, but I just I just I'm a sucker for American cheese. I mean, I like all kinds of nice cheeses, but an omelet with American cheese to me is hard to beat. Sometimes, sometimes just American cheese. Just just American cheese. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. I mean,
1: I I, I'm lactose intolerant now, but I used to get cheese omelets all the time and and
0: make them. They're easy and they're yeah, they are and, and they're delicious. And then I get a side of thinly sliced. I haven't cut the bread thin. Because they cut it really thick, which is good. But yeah, I have a, a, a side of thinly sliced raisin bread. Oh, I bet they! I, w- I bet they make a killer uh, grilled cheese sandwich, don't they? They do. I used to make those. Yeah, oh. the grilled cheese sandwiches are good. It's all the all the food's good. The burgers good. The, the pancakes are good. It's just it's just good solid food. And yeah. um, but but the but the hook has always been the bread, the toast. The French toast because of the bread, and then they deep fry. You know, you batter and deep fry French toast, Mm. and that's that's always been the hook. Is the bread? I always try to. Every time I go to Ann Arbor over the
1: years, because I don't live that close to it, but I always always try to wrangle somebody to go to Angelo's, and it's hard because you know it's it's North Campus, and so it's usually not close to something that you're doing downtown. And there's always a line, and there's it's always a pain in the butt to find parking, and you know it's just there's just like enough little like hurdles, whatever it is that that keep people. Oh, should we? Oh, we're just down here. Let's just go to Chipotle or whatever. Like, ugh, okay, and so, and I I did force myself years ago. I was covering the women's amateur or something, women's the local senior women's amateur. I don't know some USJ thing at uh, at. Barton Hills Country Club, <clears throat> right there in Ann Arbor, and I had to get there early. And like, I was trying to get people to go with me. Nobody would go with me. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Oh no, I'm tied up. Can't do it that morning. I'm like, You know what? I'm just going to be the sad person who goes by myself. And I went, and it was fantastic.
0: But it is kind of a bummer eating by yourself. So I don't, I don't like to do that too much. But oh, I don't uh, mind. I don't mind doing that um, at all. That's what the that's what the counters are for, or the bars are for, right? You just sit. There yeah. True. Yes. The counters. You just sit yeah. By yourself and. These days, you get your phone, you can read anything you want. But um, but in those days, you could read a paper or a magazine or whatever. But Or you could just sit and talk. Talk to yeah. your neighbors or whatever, yeah. I actually don't mind eating out by myself at all. You, you know? have to do it. As a sports writer, you can't wait for, for pals to show up. No, 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 no. But uh, all right, the last thing I would say before we, we stop this uh, nonsense, not about Angelo's, because it's it definitely deserves... All the recognition has been getting these last few days. It's been you know covered by outlets all over the area because it is a big deal because it, it's meant a lot to a lot of people for a long time in Ann Arbor and uh, specifically students, Michigan students, University of Michigan students and medical students and residents uh, in the medical school. And it's funny because the owner heard from, has been hearing from all these people that he fed that are now in their <laughs> 40s and 50s and 60s, right? You know, Or at least 40s and 50s. If I'm dead. Yeah, some of them who've had kids of their own that have come back to Michigan and that was fun to write about. But the thing about it for me was that you talk about that line, how busy it was at at its peak. And it still does a, a good business. It's just a lot of it is DoorDash now and Uber Eats or just calling it carry out and picking it up yourself. People don't like to wait in line like they used to. There are a lot more choices and it's just the world seems busier and that almost seems quaint, you know. When you went to brunch at any decent place in the '80s or '90s, you knew you were in for an hour wait wherever it was, right? It's just, mm-hmm. but uh, but at Angelo's, at its peak, it's just the amount of food that we used to we used to God, the amount of food we used to cook for the uh, length of time. You know, the line started at eight in the morning until and it. We would cook. We would close at two on Sunday and three on Saturday, and both of those days we would cook until. Close to an hour after we closed because there was a line, right? So you'd have to go out and cut the line off, and at closing time, and then you knew you still had another hours with the people to feed. Wow! But um, but the amount of food we used to do, and the pressure, and trying to uh, get everything timed up, make sure every order's right, make sure it's cooked properly, and just the speed of all that. Um, that that really that really meant that really mattered to me in my in my young life. It's just a lot a lot of us had places where we were doing some kind of work somewhere and we kind of figured out we how to work and how to be okay at something. And it gives you confidence. And Angela's really kinda of surviving that and then even thriving at that toward the end, it kinda of helped uh launch me a little bit and helped my writing and help help journalism and and confidence and all that. So I think I think that's what resonated with what I wrote. With a lot of people beyond just the food and the place itself, just the idea of that. Because most of us go through that someplace somewhere when we're young, right? And you and you figure it out and something starts to click and then you go on your way. Yeah, it was really it was really well well
1: executed. Um, I think that does resonate with people. And I I, I think your story is just, you know, the 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 way you talked about the people who, you know, the kids uh, did you call them something, the, the turkey the Hot tricky boys and you know, they're bringing their kids back and they're, you know, um that institutional tradition, I guess, you know, and um I think I told you I mentioned on the podcast I went to Mr. Spots for the first time um in the spring or something with my with my daughter or my wife. And is one of those like, you know, they're not gonna be around forever. You think they will be, but it's like you gotta go there. You gotta try at least once. So all these little, you know, uh famous places. Um, enjoy them while they're there. And right now, by the way, if you're going to go to Angels, I'm sure I'm sure Steve's probably not going to you know be happy that we're encouraging people to go. But the summer's the time, right? When the, when the school's out,
0: yeah, the you, sum- this
1: is the time to go. Yeah,
0: the summer has always traditionally been the slower time. We, when I was working there, we always shut down for the whole month of July. Now that it's closed for two weeks. Um, part of it's just you know the way business is, and so well, forth. they don't have but Sean uh, Windsor. Well, no, the other thing too. The, the last, let me just say this this one last quick thing. This is a reminder to, to again, no matter what you're doing here steve and jack have one of the more successful restaurants in Ann Arbor an iconic place you know relative to this city and you know, to this place and this larger university community um and they're still have these moments where they're looking around and they're like why are people here right why yeah. wh- why do we have lines what are we doing we're not special we're we're not doing anything that's you know right why us why why do we why do we deserve this? you know that we were talking about this the other day, and just the doubt that would kick in you know like trying to figure out and you know they would just have these moments like like any writer has right like what am I doing <laughs> you know, but it just goes most, to show yeah. you it just doesn't matter you you hear stories of of politicians that that make make you know or, or actors that you know make millions of dollars a picture and they struggle with those right so I, just it's a weird it another is a weird example thing.
1: yeah yeah it's a weird thing when you do something that's public facing you know if you're uh i'm sure you had this you know like your reporter and someone comes up to you oh i like your stuff and this and that and it's weird because it's like you you never expect it you don't think of yourself as some as unique you know of like oh i'm uh people know who i am or why do they read this or whatever you kind of just get in the in the routine, you just you're you're doing your job like just anybody else does their job. Whether you're you're you know doing breakfast and lunch, or you're writing articles and columns or whatever, um, you know it's it's always nice to get that recognition. But but you don't think of it yourself yourself that way. But I'm sure people who operate you know successful businesses they probably get that of you know I love your business. And there is some some introspection and reflection sometimes. Like why what is it that we're doing great that you know they know they work hard and they they do they put out a good product, but it's when you do have really good success like Angelo's, I'm sure you wonder like why us, and it just becomes this self-perpetuating thing, and um, so that's good. They've earned it. They've earned every bit of it, and uh,
0: hopefully we we get to try it before it goes away. It may pop up again yeah, in a different incarnation. It, but it could. That's that's possible, but it won't be the same, right? It's not going to no. be the same place, same corner. Yeah and have the same feel or any of that. But uh, in any case, all right, we need to take a quick break and uh, we'll get on to the Detroit Tigers. I think we've uh, spent enough time talking about food, right? We can't spend enough time talking about food. Okay, all right. All right, we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Shaw. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we need to talk about the Tigers, your favorite team. And you're, yes, yeah, yeah. And you're have you been back since opening day? Mm, no, I have not. <sighs> and you're you uh, you wrote a column that ran on Tuesday, basically saying, "Hey, don't give up hope." You know, right? They're showing right. a little bit of promise. The Central yep. division's really bad. Yep, uh, they could do this in effect. So. Um, which I which I agree with, right? I mean, they're they're hanging around, and just just one reasonable hot streak, and what are they? I don't know what. The, by the time you listen to this, who knows if they're gonna, you know, three or four games out? Maybe they could be two games out. I don't. Know. Two and know. a half after after uh, as as we're recording
1: this on a Tuesday morning there or Tuesday afternoon, they're two and a half out of uh, Minnesota for the
0: division. Right. So that's that's. Incredibly and they've been enough. there. They've
1: been strike within striking distance.
0: Yeah, they have. Time. They went. They went. They went a couple. They went a few, and then they, you know, they can't quite get to that five hundred They Actually, I don't think they've gotten the closest. They've gotten is two under five hundred. But, um, but it's interesting uh, not to get back into the in the Angelos talk. But I wanted to go a little bit meta with you for a second here. So I write that <laughs> column about Angelos, and I over, you know, I was, I was talking about Steve and Jack, the owners, and how they're. Overwhelmed sometimes by the reaction, and especially lately since the news is closing, but I felt that way a little bit about the reaction of the column. And I just think sometimes, you know, I don't, why am I a sports writer? <laughs> I I need to be writing about uh, right because whenever I write stuff like this, it doesn't have to be food, but just anything that's even remotely personal. That's what gets the response. Unless unless I'm just taking a shot at somebody, or unless. A team's doing really, really well, and I just say what I think, and there's so much natural interest, right? But that's not me either. I'm just a, I'm just a vessel, at that point. But I wasn't just a vessel for this. This was this was my story, and so I, I wrote it that way. I struggled to write that, Carlos, and until I figured out that I could start it with I learned to write over a grill, starting it with I, and then I was fine. I had a, a lot of the other stuff written. I see your column about the Tigers. And you immediately start with I and the experience you had in spring training and somebody that told you, you know, a knowledgeable baseball person that told you, hey, the Tigers might have a shot this this summer. Don't laugh, right, or this fall, mm-hmm. whatever. So you made that decision to start that way, and I would imagine you did it fairly easily. You didn't think twice about it, right? You Absolutely have, not. You no. wouldn't have struggled with that at all someone oh. someone hurt you in your journalism career
1: and convinced you that for some reason when you're writing opinion you're not supposed to re- refer to yourself or something weird um and i i you know the the most universal thing you can write is something personal like I, I just true. don't that's understand that's true
0: no 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 you can not for sure you just don't need you don't have to do i to do it you can write personal without i if you, if oh, you, right, and I, right. I don't want to get into a long litany of all this, but
1: I've read some of your columns before, where yeah, I could feel you torturing, torturing yourself, and by extension the reader, to go to great lengths to not say I or me, and it's like I know what you're, write, you're writing about yourself. Why are you going to such lengths to? If it's you know, personal, you don't sure. all the time.
0: No, if it's personal, sure, and occasionally I do put an I in there, but I think it's. I think it's interesting because on the one, no, but people do. On the one hand, you could make an argument that falling back on eye all the time is, it's fair to wonder if it's because, I'm not saying you specifically, the writer's not relaxed enough. Like, the writer's trying to announce themselves, like, I think this, I think. Instead of just saying, I think the sky is blue, just writing the sky is blue. That's still you saying it. Right. So that's
1: the difference. You don't, there's no need to write. I think, because of course you think it, who else is thinking it? If you're writing your opinion, it's, it's redundant, right?
0: But do you need to say I ran into instead of, you know, yes, do you? Yes. You need to put
1: And I, I hate, I, I don't hate it, but I don't try to write about myself. I don't try to write I or me unless I have to, unless I have to put the reader in my shoes to say this was happening. You know, if I'm gonna say I asked a question, I just say I asked the question, I just I'll paraphrase it or whatever. I don't quote myself asking the, there's, you know, especially if it's a mundane question, just get it out there of, you know, this word, forget the question altogether. Just let's get the answer or the quote from whoever it is you're talking about. You can the reader's not stupid, they will infer that that subject came up and this is their answer to that situation or that question, but yeah, don't know. You know, people love it. People love it when there's two things. I think, and I, and I know this as a reader myself. If there's somebody I like to read, um, I like them to share a little bit about their personal experience, their life. Just give me a little bit of insight. of I was having a fight with my husband. I was whatever. My kids were screaming at me the other day, and I what I did this or what you know. I like that. I like. Uh, Don't don't when you work too hard at making things universal, uh, you're also making an assumption that that is a universal experience. As opposed to, here's my personal experience. It may be universal. It may be widespread among other people, but this is my experience. And I think that's what that's what connects you, right? That's what you want to know about other humans. You want
0: to know about other people's lives and their perspectives. Uh, And there's often universal in the personal, right? I mean, that's what I try to find, right? Absolutely. And I, 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 I people, wasn't writing about cooking and, and all that as much as I was writing about surviving something when you're young and trying to find your way. And that's why people, that connect. You know, with, but the they other connect thing with.
1: you did in that column that was really good, and I've told you to do this before and you need to do it more, is what a unique experience it is uh, to be a, a cook. How many people on the planet have worked as a professional cook? That's a really unique, no, no, not that many. I mean, that's that's a a tough job. I mean, and I'm not counting. I'm sorry, but I'm not counting McDonald's people flipping fries. That's not what I'm talking about. Short order to cook, real thing, made to order stuff. I mean, that's a difficult, difficult job. And you did it at a very high profile place, you know, among our, (laughs) our
0: readership so that's is cool. serving uh so is sir you know serving tables right waiting tables and so on and so forth I mean the restaurant business in just in general somewhat
1: i mean th- there's probably a lot more right, people worked as waiters and i mean that's a much
0: lower level skill thing but as a cook yeah that's tough. but that involves that a different kind of skill because dealing with the public is oh, its for own sure. is its own thing too but i would just getting back to to your column and and so forth and sorry we got a little bit too sidetracked here but I was just it was curious and i wanted to share with you and with our listeners, just that that process sometimes. But so, tell us why you think the way you think about the Tigers, and are they really good enough to uh, to to make to find that streak where they go seven out of ten, win seven out of ten, or eight out of eleven, or whatever, and get get on top of the division, or are they just going to keep hanging around, win a couple, lose three, win a couple, <laughs> you know, lose one, whatever? Sean Windsor's nightmare. Um,
1: no, the, the the phrase you use, are they good enough? And forget about winning seven out of eight. No, no, no. Are they good enough? Are they good enough to win baseball's by far worst division? I think they are good enough. I mean, they need help. All these people, it's like, a, it's like a, a, an island of misfit toys, right? Everybody's got something wrong with them in the division. You know, Carlos Correa is near the Mendoza line right now. Um, You know, and the Twins have no bullpen and it's everybody, every team's got either injuries or some issue going on. The Tigers are not a perfect team at all. You know, for sure, they don't have deep starting pitching. Um, They are not solid throughout the lineup, um, but they're good enough. I mean, they're good enough that I think if they stay relatively healthy, you know, the key players stay relatively healthy, the Torkelson's and Greens and Baez and Eduardo per you know, uh, Rodriguez and you know, if they if they stay reasonably healthy, there's no reason for them to not maybe hang around in August and have a chance. And that's assuming that suddenly Carlos Gray doesn't go on a weird, you know, whatever uh Ted Williams' hitting streak, or something, and start ends up hitting 500 or whatever. You know, it's it's you have to get help with among the you know the 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 Twins and the Guardians are supposed to be two of the better teams in the division. So as long as those teams don't get super hot, um, I think they could do it. I I don't see them. I I, and exactly what you said, Sean. They're going to win. You know, they're going to win two, and then they're going to lose five, and they're going to lose one, and they're going to lose they're going to win four. You know it's going to be back and forth, up and down the whole season, and that's maddening in its own way. But I was watching. Uh, I, I was like, it's always funny, right? You write these columns. This is the way sports writers think. You write something, and I'm writing about. The Tigers having a chance, and I'm writing it on a Monday. They're starting their their series in Kansas City like, oh, you just watch, you're going to lose 19 to nothing or something, and then you're an idiot. They won an extra innings. They won an extra innings. They had 12 men. They stranded 12 men on base. They should have won that game handily. And they start off, like in the first inning, I think they scored three runs or something. And I I mean, they started off hot, and then uh, Lorenzen struggles and goes up two jacks early and whatever. Um, but you could see that you could see the potential there, you know. Bias gets rips; he gets the 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 winning uh, three RBIs. Uh, you know, it's I, there. There is that, and Kansas City isn't great at all. But you see that; you see that they're they have the potential, even if they're not capitalizing on it. But stuff, little things like Spencer Torkelson. I think he had four walks yesterday. You know, like his his. He is the perfect example of what they're preaching, what Scott Harris is preaching about discipline at the plate, you know, both the strike zone from the pitchers and hitters. But he was struggling right before with pitch selection and all that stuff. He had, he walked four times. I mean, that says a lot about pitch recognition and all that. Um, That's what you need from these guys. And, and it's still a year of growth. I mean, if they don't, I don't think they'll make it to the playoffs. I don't think they'll win the division. I think it's as the summer drags on, you don't get healthier. You know something's going to happen, right? It always does. And They don't have a lot of margin for error with the talent on that team, but this is still a year of growth. And you, if you, as long as you see that, you see some some positive progress from Green and Torkelson. You know you're going to Maton and these guys. You're going to see maybe hope. The question is whether he's going to be Scott Harris going to be a seller at the trade deadline. Um, it's hard to imagine him not being, as I wrote, unless they're winning the leading the division. Uh, even if they're in second place in the division, I think he's going to probably, you know, send some guys going packing and, and get some more prospects and look toward next year. It's not the wrong, it's not the wrong thing to do, but it's kind of funny how this is the year where they're, you know, the division's really weak and it's kind of there for the taking. If you would maybe add some,
0: some, uh, some bats or some arms. Um, but I just don't, I really don't see that happening Do you. No, it's the story of the times in Detroit, right? Except for the lions. But, uh, Selling at the deadline, although the Pistons, uh, the fans wanted them to sell Bo- Bo- Bojan uh, Bogdanovic, and and they didn't. But um, but but by and large, yeah, the teams have been sellers. Uh, let me ask you about Riley Green before we wrap up this segment. with the Tigers? I, well, what do you think his ceiling is? What do you think his potential is? No, um, I, I mean, mean how he's, how he's- good do you think he can be? Really good. I mean, I think he's definitely
1: all star material. You know, Um, I don't know. Is he MVP material? No, no, he's not MVP material. But he's. I think he's going to be a solid player. You know, Uh, he can be a. I'm sure they would project him to be something close to a hundred RBI guy. Um, He's got power. You know, 20 home runs, 100 RBIs, playing really good defense. In center field,
0: um, what's he hitting three fifty? I know that's an old school stat. Sorry, but but we still yeah. use it a little bit. He's hitting three fifty in the month of May so far. Uh, he could something be
1: like, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, he'll he'll hit in the high twos, probably somewhere around that, you know. But you take that with the power. Uh, he might flirt with three hundred later on in his career, but he's got he's got nice power, um, and that you know he's he's a, he's a, he's, he's going to be a steady influence. He and Torkelson would be really nice if they both, you know, progress and stick with the team and and kind of get near their potential. Is they'll both be nice, solid um, leaders on the team. You know, they're accountable. They talk to the media. They play the game the right way. Um, little things like that. They just uh, they're both really good defenders. So they add a lot of value. Um, and Riley Riley Green I think, is just uh, you know he will he will be a mainstay. He will be a really good player uh, for a long time for this team. And I thought, I, hey, by the way, just I'm going to give myself more credit yet again, because you know how much I love doing that. But last year I said, even though we're always asked in our preseason picks, whatever p- predictions to pick the breakout player. And I think I said it was Riley Green last year, even though he was starting uh, injured because he had his foot injury. Like I said, even when he comes back, I saw him play enough in spring training watched him play personally watched you know his I didn't see him personally last year I don't think but I watched the, the games on TV and all that and um he was really good he was really good both you know and they last year a, a big thing was the emphasis up the middle they wanted better defense up the middle so he was part of that um and this year my prediction by the way was Matt Bierling, uh right fielder he's been a really nice addition he hit a home run yesterday um solid defensively you know, and that's what you need. You need those kind of guys. You need contributors. Um, I know, I know, Sean, you love the Victor Wambayanas. You think
0: we needed to have number one overall picks everywhere to win anything, but I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, at that's, first. That's, what I, yeah <laughs> that's what I wrote. You know, I would say real quickly uh, my, my thought on Raleigh Green is I think he can be, I don't know if he will be, but I think he can be better at what you're talking about. I think he can be a 320 hitter, 330 hitter for a season. Ooh, ooh. Not with the power that Cabrera had. But just watching him and watching that swing and watching the way he's been hitting, I know it's just been a month, but, and baseball hitters are obviously, even the best hitters are streaky over the course of a season for sure. But I I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe he's just going to plateau to to 290, maybe pushes to get up to 300. But he just, I feel like he's got more in him than that. Uh, Not necessarily with the power. I mean, he's got, he's got nice power, but, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go out and hit 40 homers and, and hit 330 or 340 doing Cabrera stuff. But uh, but I do think that that bat it's just in that swing just looks like he can do it over and over and over again. He's starting to see, starting to learn how he's getting pitched. I mean, the other thing, too, that makes me think that is he hits pitches all over the plate and even off the plate a little bit, right, up, down. I mean, he can, to me, that's one of the great marks of a great hitter or one of the marks of a great hitter is when they go get balls all over the place, and he can. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm completely off base here. But he could be. I mean, right now as
1: we're speaking he's he's hitting 286. Uh OPS is 754. He's got uh uh in 44 games, 190 plate appearances. Um this after got, a
0: really he's at 286 after a pretty miserable start. Yeah. Four four home runs, 16 RBIs.
1: Yeah, the power I've stolen to me. bases. Yeah, he might I mean, yeah, the power to
0: me is not it's fine. He's got good gap power. He's got two triples, six doubles, four yeah. home
1: runs. I mean, he's yeah. got, he has power. I mean, he's, he's, he does. No, and, no and question. you're going to, you're going to sacrifice that. He's, he's probably, I think he's hitting fourth in the lineup, third or fourth in the lineup. Yeah, he no, no that's kind of a, flip that, around. That's
0: a, no, for sure. I, they, they, it seems like they got, they got a really good one in, in, in Riley Green. And it's been fun to watch him hit and see that confidence kind of come and, uh, in the last, what three weeks or so is it's really been something. It's been a while since they've had a player do start to do the things that he's doing at the plate right now, but uh, in any case, yeah, all I right, man. That, let's, oh, go I ahead. Sorry. He's uh, I mean, like to me, especially outfielders, I think it's
1: it's it's a, they're demanding positions, you know, and um, I, I don't see like a Bryce Harper level of you know, amazingness in him. Doesn't say he can't reach. He doesn't him, have but that kind of crazy.
0: He doesn't have that bat speed that Harper does. He reminds yeah. me of the, the Dodgers had a really good player. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Bellinger? Hardy. No, no. Uh, Mellinger? No. Cody Bellinger. Who Who's kind of longish a little bit and real Cody fluid, Bellinger? Yeah, real fluid and smooth and um, yeah. Cody reminds Bellinger me, reminds me of that a little bit. I thought I, I thought it was Sam. In any case. Um, all right, man. Let's uh, let's take one more break, quick break, and come back and finish up Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Carlos, since the time of the show, I want to hear what your favorite thing is.
1: I have one that you can't steal for once. Please, please. Uh, My favorite thing was after a few weeks, uh, because I was away uh, from work and traveling for different reasons, um, finally returned Sean for the first game in about a month to the Free Press, the Vaunted Free Press All-Star. A softball team. It's not an all star team. We're just, we're, we won our second game in like a month um, last week. But it was so fun to play. It was so fun to see everybody. Your BFF, Mike Ulrich, who's become our basically our Justin Rurlander. He struck out the side one inning. I think he had like five or six Ks. uh, And this isn't a four inning game because we mercy ruled the other team. Um, Everybody played pretty well. It was it was it was a fun thing to do. Um hadn't seen everybody and it was just I think I realized how little how much I missed everybody because I enjoy being around them. But also you get to see and hang out with your colleagues and one of, one of our colleagues, Marina Johnson, she's an intern on the new side and I'd never met her before. And this is exactly why we have the team so we can meet people that we otherwise wouldn't see or have much contact with and um, I was trying to figure out, Our Dan Fana is, is a co-captain with me. And I was trying to get the lay of the land. I'm like, so what, how's the team look? Like, where, because I was making out the lineup. Where should people play? And she was mentioning this person's good, that person's good. And she said, oh yeah, Marina's really good. And I see Marina get up to bat. And she gets down in this, like, uh, who had the who had the crazy... Uh, baseball stance. I'm trying to remember somebody who got down really like a Ricky Henderson almost stance. And I'm like, what is going on? And she just starts ripping pitches up the middle <laughs> into the outfield. And I don't, I've never met her, so I don't know much about her. And I'm like, okay. And I I actually covered college softball for a while. And, um, and I'm like, she she must have played in high school or something. Sure enough, she played in college. She played at Dearborn Divine Child, so she's actually a really good softball a ringer. Player. Yeah, she was an, an an unknown ringer. Yeah, an anonymous ringer. Um, but I was, it was so happy that she was able to to play with. Uh, think about that, right? When when is she going to hang out with you know Jim Schaefer and Mike Elric, and uh, you know Tony Garcia? You know, so it's it's a lot of fun to hang out with those people and. And, uh, for, you know, the winning's great, but our rule, number one rule, is have fun. Let's have fun, be good sports. And, uh, and I was actually disappointed that we mercy rule because it ended, a, I think, an early, an ending early. I'm like, who cares? We should have just kept playing just for fun. Um, so it was, it
0: was a really good time and uh, looking, looking forward to the rest of the season, Sean. Well, that sounds great. I'm glad you got back on the diamond. Softball's uh, softball's a lot of fun. I've, I wish I could play, but my knees, uh, knees won't allow me. I haven't played softball in 20 years, probably. But uh, in what any case, what can you play?
1: What can you play? Cornhole. What? What can we? Play I did play.
0: I played cornhole at a graduation party over the weekend, but I'd never really played cornhole before. It was fun, though. Kind All of. alright right. You're gonna. We're gonna play golf with you and your sons. I can't play golf, but well, you're I
1: can, gonna. You're uh, just gonna ride along with us. Yeah, I'll right. ride. I'll ride along. I want to do that. Along. Make sure to tell Sam and Jake we are playing this summer at the U- Michigan golf course, one of my favorite golf courses in the area. Anywhere, actually. Yeah. No, so.
0: they they ask if you could do it, and and they're down for it. So. My favorite thing is, and I'll make this quick, uh, I hate to go back to Angelo's, but in writing the story and interviewing the the players over there and the folks, the owners and all those, they they brought out some photos, and I probably had one of these photos myself, but they brought out a a bunch of photos, and there's one of me sitting on the back stairs of the stoop after (laughs) a shift, and um, so, when the shift would be done, you you could go out and take a break, and I would sit there and read the paper before you go back in and clean, right? Because the cleaning was the last thing you did. So, what the shift wasn't technically over, but the restaurant was closed, and the cooking was done. And I'm looking at this photo of me, and um, for one, I had hair. <laughs> and you just look, so, I I just you know, I'm I don't know how old I am there. I'm in my mid twenties probably. And well, um, sometimes Carlos, you look back at photos and you think about. You, you get wistful, right? and you think about your life and that you're a lot closer to, at our age, you're a lot closer to the end of it than you are the beginning of it and <laughs> and and photos can have that effect for sure I mean, music can take you back I mean all sorts of things can smells tastes all that but but with but so anyway, I'm looking at that photo and it, it just felt uh like yeah that was that, that 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 was a great time in a lot of ways it was a tough time but but uh, I learned a lot, but i'm I'm okay. With where I'm at now, you know, and I and I like it when I don't feel like, oh my God, where's where's life going? My kids are growing. There was just a, a nice uh, relative uh, calm looking at that photo. Sure, I'd love to be 195 pounds or whatever it was. I was in that photo with a big old head of hair, and, you know. And uh I still wish I had that T-shirt in that photo. It says, "Don't mess with Texas." <laughs> but uh but no. By no, the way, what paper were you reading? Be uh, honest. Uh, I don't know which one that was. I I read. I read a bunch of papers at that point. There, there used to be a store, It's still a store in Ann Arbor, but called the Blue Front over on over near campus, and they would sell newspapers. You could get the Sunday papers from all the metro, big metro dailies around the country. It was great. But I used to read uh, both Detroit papers, the Ann Arbor News, the New York Times, um, and then I would mix in others, the Dallas Morning News, say, or the New Orleans Times-Picayune, or I just read papers all over the country. So I would bet you that was either the Ann Arbor News or the Free Press. It definitely looked like the Ann Arbor News to me, just from the yeah.
1: ads on the back of the Yeah, those the those
0: were the two I read the most. I read the news, too. But um, but yeah, you know, back in those days, a lot of people read more than, you know, you read a couple of papers a day. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's how you kept up. It was, I think CNN was probably around then, but it just, the whole idea of 24-hour news was still relatively new, and that's just how you get your news. But no, I I enjoyed looking at that paper. Excuse me. That photo. Thinking about just reading the paper and those times and and the journey. And sometimes a photo can do that. Make you make you think. You know about how fortunate you've been and and that sort of thing. So yeah, that was my favorite thing. Just seeing seeing that photo. I that love we that, ran, that. we ran in our paper? Yeah. I love I love that photo so much. And unfortunately, you ran it online
1: with your column, but not in the paper. And to me. And I used to be a newspaper designer, you know, very low level, but I would have stripped your column across the top of the paper that day with that photo, a couple of columns large. I would have, I wouldn't have had a trouble problem making it the main photo. They call it the main art of the section, because it's such a fantastic photo, but also it exactly encapsulates what you're writing about that you learned how to write. Working at Angelo's and under all that pressure, um, I love that photo, and it was so old school, grainy, black and white. Um, so go go look at Sean Windsor's
0: column, and just just for that photo alone, it uh, it's a beautiful. It's beautiful amazing picture. how many comments I've gotten about that photo. <laughs> just people are like they were giving me a hard time on the other podcast we do with Mike Elric, the Soul of Detroit, about how I looked fetching, and and Mike's <laughs> like I can't what what. It, what beast crawled into that body and turned into <laughs> turned into what you are today? You know? I think people I think people are surprised when they see that photo, like a tarantula molting. Yeah, that's yeah, a, right. It's just it's just. Well, know, I thought you know, about that picture.
1: What year is that picture taken? Do you think, right around probably
0: ninety two or
1: ninety three, maybe okay. somewhere in there. So I uh, there's a chance that that a young dashing Carlos would have been visiting Ann Arbor at that time. Having Angelo's, and we would have been walking. My sister and brother in law and I would have been walking back to her car, past that stoop, and I could have looked over at you and said, "Who is this douchey hippie sitting on the back steps of this restaurant? He should get a job or something." I wouldn't have. And that you I would were say to there.
0: you, "Okay, uh, we. We're, I've been trying to teach you about human nature for a long, long time. <laughs> and if you thought I looked like a hippie, then you don't know what a hippie looked like. So that that's the first. <laughs> Ann Arbor hippie. Yeah, and I've never been called a douchey before at all, but. <laughs> But, uh, no, I, I used to look at hippies and I'm just like, oh, yeah, no. I I had a don't mess. I mean, my hair wasn't even that long, really. I just had some hair. You had hair. I too. looked more like Rico Kasich, <laughs> the lead singer from the Cars. That's a terrible reference in any case. Well, right, oh, you're wearing,
1: you're wearing hipster glasses before hipster glasses were a thing. Yeah, but they weren't hippie glasses, right? Yeah, so, no, no. Hippies can't afford glasses.
0: I uh, <laughs> uh, always make sure you think that a sign, hippies use the back door. <laughs> I always I always love that. All right. Let's uh let's wrap this up, my man. We got we got people to thank. I want to thank you. It's it's always a pleasure. Who else do we want to thank? The listeners? No. Can we start with the listeners? We always start with everybody yes. else. You're right. The listeners are the most important. So let's thank the listeners. Let's thank uh our editor um who makes producer. this possible producer. I, I like to think of him as an editor too, Robin Chan. That's a, demotion. Like a sports Producer's editor way better. Pardon me? Producer's way higher title than editor. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, Robin. Let's thank uh, our sports editor, Kirk Crawford, our uh, interim executive editor, Anjanette Delgado. Who else do we need to thank? Anybody? Angelos for uh, for feeding you one last time. Angelos for feeding me one last time. And then, Carlos, we can find this where? Anywhere you find your podcast. I don't know how you found it now, if you didn't already know where to find it, but
1: uh, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. And please... Don't forget to subscribe, like, and uh, rate us and let us know what you think. Let us know what is indeed the best college town. By the way, in the break, I Googled best college town and Google, and Ann Arbor did come up number one, so uh, right behind Madison, Wisconsin, right behind it. Yeah,
0: those are the two. Yeah, for sure. So, All right, my man, it was a pleasure. It was fun. And uh, until next week, right? Yeah. When next we are week. back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Shaw.